0: This is Carl Le Jack Jackal Hi. This is David Healy. Hello. This is Stephen Ferris.
1: Hi. I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi. This is
0: Joey Barton. I'm Charles Gutierrez. Hi. This is Harry Q. And, and you're, and you're listening, listening
2: to the score.
1: The score with Michael Clark.
2: score with me Michael Clark. Coming up on this week's show we hear from Northern Ireland manager Michael O'Neill. He has picked his panel for the Euro 2024 qualifiers against San Marino and Finland. Four new faces in the squad and a few big names not included as well. What are your thoughts on that? We'll be not just hearing from the boss but speaking to journalist Keith Bailey to get his thoughts On the names featured and left out. Also, coming up on the programme, plenty of Premiership chat. We will be talking to Philip Lowry from Crusaders ahead of the North Belfast Derby. We'll be checking in with Carrick Rangers as they get ready to face Dungannon Swifts. And we will be previewing the League Cup Final on Sunday. All that and more, right here on The Score.
1: The Score, with Michael Clark.
2: Welcome along once again. Yes, weather forecasts ain't good, but we can cross our fingers and toes that we'll manage to somehow get through the fixture list unscathed. They have called me an optimist in the past. They've called me other things, but optimist is the one I'll happily share with you at this time of day. Anyway, uh, let us get right into it, shall we? With the Northern Ireland boss, Michael O'Neill, I went along on Tuesday to chat to him and the first question I asked was does it get any easier picking squads first time doing it second time around well look
1: at the start at the very start it was I found it really difficult to pick a squad because you're concerned about uh who you're leaving out you're concerned about uh, the decisions that you make how there will be uh how people will consider those decisions and all of those situations but I mean I've 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 been pick I pick squad for eight years, so it, it, I would like to think that I've got some idea of how to do it now. Um, but so I uh, this this was challenging because of the injuries that we've experienced in in the run up. You know, obviously, I had kind of hoped that Stuart Dallas would be would be fit and available for March, and it's just his rehabilitation has taken longer. Um, and then obviously we we lost both Stephen and Corey to long term ACL injuries and. Liam, Liam Boyce, you know, I, I kind of thought March may come a little bit quickly for Liam as well, which, which is proven to be the case. And the muscle injuries that we've had in recent weeks to Shane Lavery and Ali McCann have been uh, better blows as well. So, look, it, it's, it's been hard to get dig deep into the resources. I've had to look at the younger players, uh, and, and it's good that I've been impressed by a number of the younger players. There was one or two others that came uh, under my consideration as well. Um, and you know I think I've picked a you know as strong squad and as good a squad as I can for the you know the opening games
2: of the campaign in terms of the fresher faces, how realistic is it for the likes of uh, McGee and Goss to get minutes? Do you think over these two matches or do you think it's about bolstering the squad really and and going from there?
1: I think, listen, it's realistic for any player. I think they get minutes. I think it's important when players turn up for international duty that they believe they've got a chance of playing, you know, or else you don't really get the best version of them if that's the case. Um, I do think we've got a bit of flexibility in this squad that possibly we didn't have in the past. We're a little bit light on wide players at this moment in time um, in terms of that are playing regularly for their club. You know, look, Gavin White has not played a lot of football recently. Matty Kennedy was playing and and was playing very well for Aberdeen in in recent weeks since the change of manager. He's been on the bench. Um, Big Josh is still coming back. He he obviously came off the bench Saturday for five minutes and is getting back into fitness and uh, playing regularly, with hopefully with Wigan. So those are all little challenges that we face, I think, in terms of where the squad is. What I think is that the younger players that I didn't have, in all honesty, previously is that... I believe that they they have the opportunity to be have long-term international careers with Northern Ireland and they excite me they're probably not ready to play on a consistent basis but you know we've always experienced that at Northern Ireland you know I played as an 18 year old myself and Johnny Evans came and played against Spain here as an 18-year-old. We hadn't played for Manchester United at that point in time. So those are always things that I think as a Northern Ireland manager you're going to have to contend with. And uh, as I say, I'm, I'm, despite the injuries that we have, I'm excited by the squad that we've put together.
2: When you saw the amount of midfielders that were missing, you weren't tempted to bring the boots back out yourself, No. <laughs> no, definitely not.
1: Definitely not. I'm I'm uh, I'm eight nine months past the hip injury, so I would be even
2: probably less mobile than Jimmy Nickel, and that's saying something. San Marino, it's a game where Northern Ireland fans, let's call it spade, spade will be expecting a win. They're ranked 211 in the world. Does that add pressure when you haven't had a lot of time with these players? It's not necessarily the strongest squad you would like to pick from if everyone was available. And if it does, how do you manage that? Yeah, look. Uh,
1: probably ideally in a campaign, um, you you ideally want to start. I think with a home game. You know, we haven't. Did, but in saying that, you know, we played away at Hungary in two thousand and sixteen and won, which was a difficult game for us. I'm trying to think who we played in two thousand and eighteen, uh, the first game. But I know we did win it. So, uh, this, um, so I, I think it's important that you know we the focus is just purely on the first game not to get carried away and think well that is a formality san marino and all of these nations um whilst they they don't win many games whilst they um have a limited pool of players to pick from you still have to go and beat them and and uh, like anything a result for them is a huge uh I think motivation for them as well, any type of result. So they'll be highly motivated to to take something from the game. They they don't do that very often, so that they'll they'll be very motivated to do that. And we've played there before and it's never straightforward. We won the game 3-0, but we had to be patient and we had to go deep into the second half before we won the game. So you have to be prepared to be dominant, not get frustrated and, and that that sometimes is where you need your experienced players. Some of the younger players will maybe find that type of situation a little bit anxious a wee bit of anxiety in their play um, but look this is the challenge that we have and, and um, I always say in international football if you, if you take care of the first game then the second game takes care of itself you know always rolling into the second game off a good performance and a good result always makes the second game easier
2: and just briefly on, Finland ranked higher presently than Northern Ireland. You look at some of their away performances, getting a win against Denmark in recent years, Croatia, Ukraine draws. You know, good nations, so not a team to be taken lightly.
1: No, Finland are a good side. Um, uh, we played uh, Finland in 2016. There's a number of those players still playing. Uh, I know the coach, I think it was the assistant coach then, uh, Marco. So, they have, they're a bit similar to ourselves. They have a lot of consistency in their selection. You know, they're still Pukie's still a massive player for them as well. Um, so we, we have to manage him, and he, he, his form this season again has been good for Norwich. So um, I, I always think that you know they're similar to us. They they they'll be keen to make a good start to the campaign. They probably wouldn't want the games that they have. The opening games that they have are difficult. So, but they're a strong squad. They will believe they can qualify and, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we're we're ready for a, a tough challenge and, and it'll be a good game.
2: And with an Irish League focus, Conor McManaman back in the squad, you were at Solitude recently watching Clifton Vogue, Glenn Torin. Were other Irish League players close to your thinking in this call? Nalm McGinnon has had an injury and, and Kyle Lafferty's not in the squad, but beyond, I guess, the recognised names or the, the guys that have been there and done it before, would you be thinking of maybe a few others?
1: Well, I think you always have to look at the domestic league. I don't think that... You want to be picking too many players from, with all due respect, because I think it it, it it's still very much a development developing league rather, and uh, I always am more keen to keep an eye on the younger players in the Irish League. Like I remember, you know, when Gavin White was playing in the league, for example, we brought him away with us. Liam Boyce when, when he was playing in the domestic league. So I, I understand what it brings and, and the opportunity that it presents to the players. Um, But yeah, look, I'm going to go to the game tonight, uh, Lauren v. Linfield, so I haven't seen either of those teams. I obviously speak to David quite regularly. I know how his squad is. And um, yeah, I think the the key is, you know, that the players on form, Conor Conor McManaman had an excellent start to the season, picked up an injury um, that I think was feared to be a lot worse than maybe it turned out to be. He made a good impression when he was in the squad with, you know, Jimmy Nicholls spoke very highly of him. The senior players spoke highly of him. So this is a chance for me to get eyes on him and and get the chance to work with him. But I think, you know, Northern Ireland squads will always have, you know, probably the top two or three players in the Irish League under consideration And, and, and at times come in the squad. It was no different when I was playing when... You know, Glenn Ferguson was in the squad. Raymond Campbell were in the squad at times. Raymond McCoy, those types of situations. I'm going back 100 years here, it feels like. Um, but so there's always an opportunity for players in the domestic game. But I, if we were picking a squad and we had five or six Irish League players in it at this minute in time, I would be concerned.
2: And finally, I know you're saying, the, you know, focus on the San Marino first and understandably so. What will it be like for you? Do you imagine? Have you been picturing it in your head? Being back in here, Windsor Park, packed crowd, home international, back in the dugout. I imagine it's the sort of thing you would be naturally excited about.
1: Yeah, look, I'm I'm excited about the team and hopefully seeing the level of performance that we got on a consistent basis when I was first in the job. You know, I look back at, you know, the games here. My last two games here were against Holland, and Germany, and you know we lost the German game, but we played extremely well. Um, and, you know, we drew the Holland game nil each, and, you know, Stephen, unfortunately, missed a penalty for us that night as well. So th- those are, you know, good memories for me here. Well, you know, I think, you know, I didn't lose very many games here in the, in, in qualification. I think Germany, the only team to beat us over the, in, in qualification after, from 2016 onwards. So... It'll be our home form will be essential to how, how we uh, the outcome of this group and we need the supporters to be massively behind us. But we have to generate that excitement in the stadium as well. And you know I look forward to it. Um, the technical area can be a difficult area at times. Uh, it was certainly in the championship at times. But um, yeah, I look forward to being back out there and obviously you know hopefully given putting a team together that the fans can really get behind. The score with Michael Clarke
2: so that was the northern ireland manager michael o'neill speaking to me earlier on this week at his squad announcement at the national football stadium at windsor park northern ireland fans are you feeling confident with the players selected here to give us his thoughts on the announcement the players involved and the matches ahead is sports journalist for the belfast telegraph keith bailey keith great to have you on the program again
3: good to be here michael
2: so, what were your impressions of Tuesday and uh, the squad announcement?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously there is an issue there where we have several key players missing, um, and you know, four of them are central midfielders. So it, it isn't Michael O'Neill's ideal squad, far from it. You know, he's called in a couple of faces and, and Sean Goss and and Cameron McGain that you know are, are surprise call ups and maybe names that Northern Ireland fans might not have even heard of. Um, but when you look at the opposition ahead you've got Sam Marino away on the Thursday night um, followed by, by Finland at home um, there are two games that, that Northern Ireland will be seeking six points from um, and I think that the players are there certainly to beat Sam Marino and, and certainly to get at least a draw from Finland at home so although it isn't the the, top, the best squad that, that Michael O'Neill has ever named far from it um, I think it is one that can pick up points in these two games
2: of the the names that have come in, you mentioned McGeehan and Goss. They are in their late twenties, so they've been, you know, playing professional football at a decent standard for quite a period of time. Should Northern Ireland fans be concerned that they've, you know, very very rarely ever featured in the international setup before?
3: Not particularly, no. I mean, I think that they are probably of a level where they have just been outside um, the international setup, and we we've had quality centre midfielders over the last number of years that that have that have kept them out. Um Cameron McGain is playing every week at this stage uh for Oostend in the, the Belgian top flight. Now that's you know you might ask is he is he good enough to play for Northern Ireland? Well, if he's playing in the Belgian top flight every week? Well that's that's a better league by a distance than than say the Scottish Premiership. So why would you not call him up? You know, he's playing at a decent level, he's playing at a higher level than, than say, like, Ethan Galbraith or or Alfie McCalmont or, you know, anyone who's in the Irish League. So that makes a lot of sense, I think, calling him in. He isn't somebody who would be in there if everyone's available, but like Sean Goss, they're good options to have. And, and unlike putting in a, a really young player, they come with a bit of experience, not at an international level, but just, just generally. Um, and I think that they're, they're sensible additions to the squad for these two games.
2: It was interesting that, wasn't it? Michael O'Neill did speak about that during the press conference of trying to get the balance right. He didn't want to have too many young players in the squad, so he was not ruling out the likes of Galbraith or McCalmont coming in in future squads, but he just felt at the moment it was better to have a couple of older players in there with enough young lads already selected.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of pragmatism to this. I don't think that Cameron McGain or Sean Goss or Northern Ireland's future but it is about trying to get this campaign off to a good start and trying to get four to six points from these first two games. And those two guys maybe give us a better chance of doing that than trying to filter in a couple of of young players at this stage. So I think it makes sense. Um you know, when it comes down to the starting eleven, I'm not sure either either of the two of them will be in it. In fact I'd be very surprised if they were, but you know, they're just sensible options to have about the squad. Um so I think it's uh, I think it's pragmatic and that's something that, that Michael O'Neill has always been or certainly always was through his first tenure he, he's more pragmatic than than idealistic
2: Cameron McGehan actually contributed to Scott Parker's downfall in Belgium he scored against Club Bruges a couple of weeks ago so uh, has a goal in him as well if, if called upon um, of the, the players that have come back into the team I think the happier news is the defence looks a lot stronger with Cathcart back in, Evans is there but there's going to be question marks around his fitness, Dan Ballard back as well after you know a good spell out injured and the inclusion of Owen Toll, um, exciting news, do you think uh, he has a chance of getting into that defence or is it going to be the, the established heads leading the line?
3: I'm not sure Owen Toll will play. That perhaps depends on on what happens with with uh, Johnny Evans. Evans, you know, from the sounds of it, Mike O'Neill is fairly confident that he he is going to make it, um, and he is going to be available to play. The hope is that he will he will feature in a Leicester um, under-20s game in the next week or so. Um, so he will get a game under his belt before coming away on international duty. And what you could do, you might be confident that you've got the defence there to, to handle San Marino. So you could leave him at home for that game if you, if you needed some extra time or some extra treatment um in Leicester and then and then bring him over for the Finland game where where it might be felt that you need him um a lot more. So I think that Evans will feature at some point which is a great boost if he plays in the Finland game I think that's a we really need him for that and that's an important one he is the sort of guy that can come off a period of being injured for a while and slot in without it without it being a massive problem he's done it in the past for North Ireland um, so I think that's a positive that he's even available um, Owen Toll is an interesting one uh, he started his career on Mass City he played for Derry City but now he's, he's making waves at Bolton um, where he's very one of three Northern Ireland players you are playing on a regular basis and he's doing really well um, and I think that's a sensible call-up I think it's um, he's been selected ahead of Tom Flanagan which is maybe raises an eyebrow but you know why not? Uh, Gareth McCauley who is somebody who had a fairly similar career trajectory to him has watched him for North Island over the last number of weeks and I know he's been really impressed by him so I think it's uh, it's one for the future and it'll be a good opportunity for him to bet in and to, uh, to get a flavour of the squad.
2: People will have heard what Michael O'Neill has said in the interview we heard just before you came on, Keith, about the number of Irish League players and he feels if there were several in the squad it would point to the fact that there's maybe a problem and there's not the players elsewhere. To me, an indication of where he sees levels in the Irish League, it's no secret, you know, it's not going to be comparable to the Championship. So mm. it looks like there are certain leagues that he's more favourable towards and less favourable towards League 2. Uh, maybe there's a cut-off point there. League 1 seems to be OK. League 2, not so keen on that either, perhaps.
3: Yeah, I mean, that is an interesting one, that he has not selected Ethan Galbraith. Um, he's at Salford City. He's not selected off McCalmont, who's also playing in League 2. Um, and Paul Smith at Leighton Orient, who's also a League 2 player. Um, particularly a bit of a push for Paul Smith to be called up. But it, and that Michael O'Neill was asked about that and explained what Paul Smith is just back from injury and since coming back from that injury he hasn't been starting for late latent. But you do get the the feeling that, that O'Neill is reluctant to pick either Irish League players or League Two players. Now there's an exception in the squad and in Conor McManaman, who's obviously a Glantorin player and fan in the Irish League. But I think that's more down to what Colin McMahon did in the last few Nations League games uh, for North Ireland, where, where I think by you know all accounts, I think we'd agree he, he played well, he acquitted himself very well, so he's kind of retained his place in the squad. You know There were people pushing maybe, I you know, saw so Leroy Miller mentioned. there's a possibility from Lauren to come in and, and be one of the centre of midfield options in the absence of the likes of Davis and Ali McCann. You know, I don't know how much that was really considered. I think Michael O'Neill really wants to leave that sort of Scottish Championship, League Two, Irish League level alone and, and select players kind of League One and upwards. Now, there will be exceptions to that, and there may be, you may even see a League Two player called into the squad if there's there's injuries closer to these two games. But I think ideally, Michael O'Neill wants to pick his players from SPL, Premier League, Championship, League One. Um, and that's that's probably the way it is, and and I think it also serves as an encouragement there for the likes of Paul Smith, the likes of Ethan Galbraith, to get clubs higher up the pyramid or to you know move up the divisions with the teams you're with now. Um, so a bit of incentive there as well for them.
2: Fans, there was a lot of talk online about some of the other names that aren't in. Niall McGinn still got an injury. So does Liam Boyce. Michael O'Neill said he hasn't closed the door on any player. I, I wonder. Whether Kyle Lafferty has a way back into the team now, you know, like McGinn has come to the Irish League. It's been a long time since he scored a goal for Northern Ireland, hasn't had the form here. And form is going to be a key factor if he's going to change Mike O'Neill's mind. Do you think we'll see Kyle Lafferty back playing for Northern Ireland again?
3: No, I don't think Kyle Lafferty will play for Northern Ireland again. Um, I haven't watched him so far in the Irish League. He hasn't done anything, you know, from to suggest to me that he's going to rediscover the form. Um, that'll get him back back into the squad um, obviously things ended really badly for him you know he, he didn't cover himself in glory his, his comments were, were disgraceful um, and he was right the axe from the squad and you know I, I don't think it would have been out of order for at that point for the, the RSF I'd say we're not going to call him up again I think they're trying to be kinder to Cal than that um, and, let them, and suggest you know here's what it is it's it's an issue with his form and at the moment he isn't doing enough in, to get into the squad um, I just don't think he's he's somebody that we're likely to see uh, in a Northern Ireland shirt again, and I think that's that's fair enough. Time moves on. Um, Cal Afton was a fantastic player for Northern Ireland. He was a really big part of, of qualifying for Euro 2016, um, and, and that. You know, he deserves credit for that. But times have moved on and they don't have better options now. You know, you've got the Alexa Dean Charles doing well and you've got, you know, you've other forward options are alright, they're not world class by any shade of the imagination, but I don't think we're in a situation where we need to be picking out of form field centre forwards that come with a bit of baggage. So I think not selecting him was obviously the right thing to do and it's very hard to see a situation where he gets back into the squad.
2: When you go through the previous head-to-heads with San Marino, uh, it's actually lovely symmetry, isn't it? Northern Ireland beat them 4-0 when they play in Belfast and they went 3-0 out there. That's happened the last two occasions um, for both uh, scenarios. So um, 3-0 win, obviously coming up here in a couple of weeks
3: well this is it this is a scary one you remember that last 3-0 and you, <laughs> you go you look at it now and you go well 3-0 that was easy wasn't it but if you actually look back on it we didn't break deadlock it was Josh McGinnis score until the 70th minute and then uh, McGinnis scored again from the penalty spot and the, the ran out 3-0 winners now on that occasion it always kind of looked like San Marino we're going to collapse um, we haven't got a, a great score at the moment I still think it should be enough to win relatively comfortably out there because um, San Marino are not great you know they're, that, that's stating the obvious they're literally the worst international team in the world um, you know you would expect most Irish league teams to beat them if, if they played them um, and you look at their games recently and they, uh, they lined up a number of friendlies in an attempt to get their first win in, a, in numerous years um, and they didn't quite go to plan because they drew 0-0 with the Seychelles and then they had two friendlies against St Lucia out at the uh, um, out there, and they drew one all, and then lost one nil. So, you know, their attempts to get a victory um, have, have not gone to plan, <laughs> it's fair to say. So, it would be pretty bad if they, uh, they managed to change that record against us. Uh, no, I think we have got enough there, but what you can expect is San Marino will get every man behind the ball and make life as difficult as possible for as long as possible. And it's up to us to have patience uh, to try and break them down. The goal might not even come in the first half, as we, as we found out, um, what four years ago or, or whatever it was now. Um, but yeah, of course we should we should beat them away from them.
2: It'd be interesting to see with you know it's not a full strength squad. We've we've made that very clear. Whether players relish that opportunity, you're going well. Look, I'm playing against a team where. I should be able to, to manage this level of match okay or whether you nearly put too much pressure on yourself, you're in, it's your big chance to make an impression, you know you're expected to do well because of the opposition and sometimes overthinking it can kill any sort of natural performance a footballer might try and produce so Mike O'Neill will try and manage that I would imagine as, as best as he can that um, they get the job done and they don't have any embarrassments because it would be a huge embarrassment wouldn't it really we shouldn't try and dress it up any other way than that if Northern Ireland were to lose to San Marino a nation who have you know the supporters have a great sense of humour about it you see anything that they post online they really really celebrate matches in which they just score in they don't yeah. expect to draw many and they certainly don't win
3: yeah absolutely I mean their their last international win was 2004 it was a 1-0 win over over Liechtenstein. you know it's getting on for 20 years uh, so I guess to support them you need to have a sense of humour really wouldn't you <laughs> um, but uh, yeah like it, it's one of those things where like I say they will make it as difficult as possible and Northern well, just need to be patient and you know you, you've got to take your chances when they come along and put them under as much pressure as, as possible to the point where they they fold. Um, it's just it is an ideal opportunity for Northern to get off to a great start in this group. This group is the kind of draw we could have asked for, and the fixtures are in such a way as it sets up quite nicely for us. You know, if we can get that three points off San Marino, then you move on to the Finland, where everybody's in a good mood mood, and there'll be a great atmosphere there with it being a Sunday night fixture. Um, so it's a great chance for us to get off to a start. Anything less than four points from those two games will be a bit of a disaster. Maybe some might say six points.
2: And the press conference was a great example or a reminder, maybe, in Michael O'Neill's personality, his sense of humour, his control of a room. Uh, The question was posed to him about Northern Ireland's goal-scoring problems and he quickly reminded everybody in attendance, well, I haven't managed a game yet, so we don't have any goal-scoring problems.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, it's, it's a fair point in the sense that he wasn't in charge, and throughout these uh, last few years, so thing, we can expect things to be different. But yeah, we do have a goal-scoring problem. We, we do have a lack of quality of quality attacking players, um, uh, and there isn't kind of an obvious answer to these issues uh, within the setup that we have. So I actually think it was a fair enough question: where our goal is going to come from. Um, you know that I think that he will work on things that I think that were maybe a little bit slack under Barkley You know, we we used to pose a great threat from from set pieces uh, under under Mike O'Neill the first time. Now maybe that was to do with the uh, Oliver Over and Chris Brunt putting in great ball for somebody you can attack a ball like Gareth and But I would imagine that's an area both defensively and attacking that will we will strengthen on and work on um, under O'Neill's te- tenure. So he will look to find ways to score goals I think the the answer isn't necessarily just trying to unearth a a cracking number nine Um, there's more to football than that
2: Okay, let's uh, switch gears then from international to domestic and a big cup final on Sunday with even more pressure as if they needed it on Linfield now Corain will go into the game as the underdogs but we know their pedigree in Uh, Well, particularly this competition their third time reaching the League Cup final now in uh, consecutive seasons winning one, losing one but Linfield after the draw against Lauren it looks like their chances of retaining the Premiership title are even slimmer now Keith so they can't contemplate a trophy-less season whether they've given up on the the ghost in the league or not yet is one thing but they cannot falter in this final otherwise can you imagine just how uh, upset the supporters are going to be
3: well, this is it. I mean, it's um, it's a really important game for Linfield. It's a really important uh, game for David Haley's tenure because he came into this this season in a great place. Linfield had been you know, the dominant force in Irish League football um, and this was a year where they hoped to kick on and, and do something special in Europe. And they got within a whisker of that and you do wonder how this whole season might have looked totally different. If it wasn't for that, um, you know, Jimmy Callagher missed kick and own goal and the penalty should out defeat, you know, it, it does feel like that was a seismic moment in the build season and it hasn't really been quite right since. There's been a few, you know, spells of form here and there, but they don't look the same team. Um, I thought they looked really blunt up front against Lorne um, during the week on Tuesday night. You know, Bertainen and, and Lafferty. They don't seem to, to fit together particularly well. Um, it just just doesn't seem to be working for them so far. So this this league cup final, this Bet Bet cup final, should I say, gives them the opportunity um, to get silverware and decent silverware in the cabinet and, and put smiles on faces and a, a good day out for for Linfield fans. That said, if they end up finishing third and fourth in the league, that won't stop the kind of cross examinations from Linfield fans as, as David Daly often talks about. They're a demanding bunch. Um, so it, it is a really important game for them Phil. it's one they're they're well capable of winning but so are and it, it feels like a real 50-50 match which is part of the reason it's, uh, it's so enjoyable
2: We heard on the show last week just how much it means to the players to be playing in front of a big crowd like that for some of them be the biggest crowd they've played in front of in their career so far and credit to everybody At the Northern Ireland Football League for the promotion they've put into this. I think, you know, we've all seen the signs around different places now. We've had street teams doing interviews. I got stopped (laughs) down the road when I was trying to grab a coffee for anyone that managed to catch a very cold looking me uh, (laughs) doing an interview when I I got nabbed going for a cappuccino. But um, it's something that, you know, people have said has been lacking for a long time, not just of this competition, but generally here, the wider promotion. We've seen it. Um, I think in the last couple of years certainly with the Northern Ireland Football League but the promotion this year in particular I think for the League Cup Final after the the great attendance they got last year has uh, been a real positive for the game as a whole
3: yeah, absolutely. Let's just hope they're they're not wiped out on Sunday by Snowmageddon, um, which at the time of recording hasn't happened. Um, but, but who knows what it'll look like by Sunday. Uh, no, I mean, fingers crossed the game will, will go ahead as planned and it'll be a great occasion and a great atmosphere. Let's hope everybody behaves themselves. Um, yeah, you're right, Niffle have done a, a superb job of, of promoting this. I think that it's well-priced, the pricing structure is good, which is really important, uh, and the advertising campaign has been has been first class. It's been an improvement on what we've seen in the past. I think the RSFA could probably take notes going into... Um, this year's Irish Cup final. Listen, you know, there is a bit of, you know, some in the la- last year, you know, Niffle once talked about how it was the biggest Cup final in North Ireland because of the crowd was obviously bigger last year at, at, um, at Cliftonville and Coleraine than it was at the Irish Cup final between Crusaders and Balamina United. And that may well, I think almost certainly will be the case again this year, just looking at the way the, the Irish Cup semi finals have, have palmed out. Um, you do probably need to be a little bit realistic and appreciate that how big the crowd is that any cup final in North Ireland will always depend on the two teams that get into it you know if, if you get a if your cup final's Warren Point Town and Crusaders it's not going to be a massive crowd if, if you get them and Glentorin even if it's the County to Shield you're going to get a, a huge crowd so there's a wee bit of potluck involved in, uh, in what the crowd is at the cup final but also you know yeah you're right and I thought i have done a great job of promoting it and, uh, and hopefully it goes well on Sunday should be a great occasion
2: If you had to go and, and, and place a bet now or to, to cast a vote and say who you think's going to win it what do you think I mean we watched the, the Lauren Linfield game the other night Linfield struggled in that match and borrow an amazing save and stop it's time could have lost it And, I mean, I don't know whether the draw helps or mood any coming into this final. There's so much pressure riding on the game. I know big teams and big players are meant to savour those sorts of things, but it must weigh heavy, whereas you feel like Coleraine are the team who have a bit more of a feel-good factor going into the final. I don't know if that's just me, Keith.
3: No, I think you're right. I think that Coleraine, at the moment, there is more of a... You know, maybe feel good factors a stretch because they've had some disappointing results as well. And the, the title challenge that they maybe thought might materialize hasn't materialized. And let's not forget, it's only what, two weeks ago, um, a week and a half ago, that, that Limfield beat Coleraine 2 0 at the same venue. So, you know, Limfield have, have plenty of reason to be to be hopeful as well. Everything isn't going that smoothly at Coleraine. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, Coleraine have match winners in the team, they'll have Jimmy Glacken available. Um and and they are certainly capable of winning this game. It would not at all surprise me if this game went the whole way and went to extra time in penalties. because I don't think there's a lot between the two teams. And considering Linfield's record in penalty this season, I don't know the Korean would probably be quite happy happy with that. Um, yeah, I th- I feel like it's a real fifty fifty game. Um, and and I think it will, it'll go the ninety, it'll go the the whole hundred and twenty minutes. So that that's my prediction for the day.
2: I don't know if any team would have ever lost five shootouts in a season. I know they have won one, but um, you know losing four in one season is is remarkable. Um, someone will have to look up the, the records there and see uh, Linfield will be trying to avoid that, I think, at all costs. Do you know, just very quickly, it only kind of occurred to me the other day, when I was looking at the top half of the table... Just how remarkably you see, if you were just to look at the goals for and the goals against, because we, you know, you always hear commentators and people talk about you know, the league's best attack, the league's worst defence, all these sorts of things. The the goals for column, right? The worst goals for column uh, of the top half is Corian with fifty two. The best is Linfield, Crusaders and Glentoran, with 58. Now Glentoran have played the fewest games of those teams but we're talking about six goals difference so you know you hear people saying well their attack hasn't been added this season. Well the, the you know in relation to Linfield they have the league's joint best goal scoring record at present and then you look at the defences and Cliftonville of the top half have the worst with 36 conceded and they are very much in the title race. So you could have the worst defence in the top half being the league champions over a team who have conceded half as many goals in Larne So it, it does show you how you can't just take kind of things in isolation, but also maybe points to just how close some of the matches have been.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting, actually, Clifton will have a, a plus 20 goal difference, which is really poor for a top six team. But yeah, as you say, they are still um, just about in the title race. So it isn't, it doesn't really, you know, I guess it's about how you win games, and, and you know, there's a few maybe, you know, teams will rack up a 4 0 win and that adds to your goal difference, but it only gets you three points. So, you know, these things can be kind of goal difference or, or goals for columns can be a bit. Deceptive at times. I mean, Liverpool in the Premier League is a, a good example of that because they've had a 7 0 win and a 9 0 win. Uh, you know, you look at their goal and you think they should be winning the league, and obviously that's not the case. Um, but yeah, it is. It's going to be a top final o- on Sunday, and you've got two teams that are both um, pretty defensively strong. You would like to think so. It, it, it might be tight. It could be real, and and talk will be. It's one to look forward to.
2: Nice. Uh, nervy encounter. And just very briefly, Keith, um, there are some matches taking place in the Premiership uh, this weekend. We have Glentoran, and Glenavon as the Friday night game. That's live. I'll be, weather permitting, going along to that. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, just the 1-3 o'clock kick-off with Dungan and Swifts playing Carrick Rangers. Newry and Portadown are a half-five on Saturday. And then Crusaders Cliftonville moved to Monday night uh, we'll be hearing from Philip Laurie on the show shortly. Um, that is going to be live on Sky as well. So a double daunter in terms of Sky cameras at games, but it also means you have three matches over four days to hopefully uh, enjoy. Um, outside of the cup final, I think it's it's no surprise to say the North Belfast derby is the other one that, that is the glamour tie. But can we give a wee bit of love to Newry City, port it down? Because that is, that is such a big game at the bottom of the table.
3: I mean, league-wise, that is... That's the biggest game of the week, you know. Uh, you know obviously, the cup final is the biggest game, really. But in terms of the league, that's the biggest game of the weekend. There, there's no doubt about it in my mind because you know you, you look at that um, and you'd say you've obviously got uh, you've got Dungannon in the mix there as well. But like my sense is that Dungannon are outperforming Ure at the moment, and I would expect Dungannon to to catch Ure during the during the split. I mean, if you look at it. Nuri are 10th one twenty-three points and Ngana are 11th and 20 points it does feel like Ngana are the ones that have the momentum so Nuri almost seemed the more likely one for Portadown to be able to, to pull back into the, the automatic relegation race um and if if Portadown can win, and then the gap between those two teams, which is currently sitting at eleven points, it goes down to eight. And then when you're going into the, those last five games, where you know you're playing against other teams down the bottom, and there is the possibility of picking up points, then that would give Portadown a real chance of going on a run and maybe maybe catching that eleventh spot. But if Nury were to win it, or even if it was to be a draw, you know it's very difficult to see how Portadown could catch. Eleven points in seven games, even with those last five being against kind of bottom six opposition. So I think it's a massive one for borderline I think to avoid relegation, though, any realistic chance of, of of that, they need to go and win. Um, and that's uh that's a tough task, obviously, um, because it's at Nury, but they've beat Nury before. Um, and I, I kind of fancy that they might go and do it again on on Saturday evening.
2: Oh, I tell you what, by. Monday night the title race and the relegation scrap could be completely decided or blown open again
3: <laughs> yeah that's very much
2: it uh, what a few days we have in store Keith a pleasure talking to you thanks very much for coming on to the programme
3: no worries at all thank you Michael
1: The Score with Michael Clark.
2: time to get our next guest on to the show and what a season he is having even by his own high standards he must be very happy with himself from crusaders philip larry philip how are you
4: very well michael uh, always good to catch up with you and thanks for the lovely introduction there
2: i mean it it is incredible and i know everyone keeps saying it to you now it's like what's going on you know it's as if you've discovered a cheat code what what is happening all these goals
4: yeah i mean i think you've had the knee on the head there uh, everyone i talk to now is kind of wondering what I'm doing differently or seem quite surprised but for me it's it's not surprising at all um, because obviously I've always had a goal in Mayfield but certainly I think it's taken me a bit by surprise the sheer number of goals this year but I've always made runs into the opposition box and I've always chipped in here and there with some important goals but never probably with the frequency that I have this year but uh, it's just been one of those seasons where um, I think first and foremost I'm just really enjoying my football I'm injury free I'm fit and I'm playing well and then obviously the goals are an added bonus um, I think that's been the most pleasing thing for myself is sometimes the goals can sort of overshadow performances but I feel like I'm I'm playing as well as I ever have and, and helping the team as we continue to challenge for what now is the semi-final of the Irish Cup and, and the remainder of the league campaign
2: I had Paul Heatley on the programme a couple of weeks ago your teammate, and he said in tribute to you it isn't just the amount of goals it is the fact that you score big goals, important goals, it's some players get a lot of goals against certain clubs and then in the matches where the team really needs dug out of a hole, you know, that can dry up. But you are just scoring indiscriminately and, and that's probably a manager's favourite type of goal score.
4: Yeah, and that's been really pleasing. Um I'm normally a modest type of individual and I don't really get too involved in praising myself, but I suppose it's been it's been really encouraging that a lot of my goals have probably won us points this year you know scoring from maybe in positions when we've been one or two goals down and getting us back into games and then someone else has got on and got the winner and or scoring winners against the top six so you know my goals have came as you said there across all sort of games and across all different types of opposition so um yeah that's been really pleasing and obviously my main objective is always just to help the team and it's always nice when your goals contribute to to the points tally and you know we've lost a lot of goals from our team this year by losing Ben Kennedy and having one or two different injuries to, to Jordan Owens and different people so other people have had to step up and thankfully have managed to do that with some important goals
2: and we're at this part of the season you're no stranger to it of course where every game gets described as a final people look at matches all the pressure that's attributed and I'm sure players feel it as well but the most recent test Um, a cup quarter final against Glentorin that you came through and it does seem like when teams come to Seaview it'll take something special to get past Crusaders because not many people manage it
4: No I'd agree with that comment we've been um, very very strong at home this year I think our only defeat came in a really disappointing tie against Balamina where we just didn't hit the heights that we've hit in the rest of the games but look I think just Seaview suits our whole mantra our whole style of play we're aggressive we're in people's faces we you know we ask questions of the opposition and you know nine times out of ten this season they haven't had the answers and we've managed to get the results but um, it's just about maintaining that now obviously we've got some more home games remaining um, before the league finishes and we'll be looking to to maximise the points that we can get from those and then hopefully improve our slightly patchy away form
2: well, that's the thing, and probably frustrating, isn't it? When you can get the home form so right, you must all be going, if we could just figure out that other half of the equation, we'd be flying.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I was having a good think about it recently when I seen some of the stats. I think Joel Taggart was reading them out in the Irish League showing different things, and it's not just as simple as, you know, we're playing badly away from home. I think if you actually break down the games where we haven't taken points, you know, we've been without Ben Kennedy for you know the whole season. He's played 90 minutes of football. We've been without Josh Robinson for probably six or seven of those away games who's a real tower of strength for us at the back. You know, it's no coincidence we've kept three clean sheets on the bounce since he's came back into the team. And you know, We've missed Daniel Larmer for certain games. Paul Heatley missed seven games through suspension. But there hasn't been a whimper from our camp because that's the nature of the individuals we have and the manager that we have. We just get up and get on with it. If you look across the league when other teams have lost their talisman, they haven't picked up any points so um, we've just got on with it we've had really difficult away games we've had games where we've played midfielders and defence and strikers in midfield just to patch things up and the players have been a credit and we just we just get on with our jobs yes we'd have liked more points from those away games but it's not always as easy as you know fixtures aren't played on paper unfortunately for us in certain cases this year but um, every away game in the league's really difficult and uh it's through no want of of effort it's just been disappointing in certain games we haven't picked up as many points as we'd have liked
2: when you talk about the home form just to sort of stress this point to anyone who hasn't realised Crusaders bar the Balamini United defeat have won all the home matches that they played this season with two other exceptions a draw against Lauren in the league and a draw in Europe against Basel I mean when you actually write it down and look at it it is a bit mental
4: it's mental, and it's funny you mentioned that that Lauren game we were one 0 up against ten men in the last ten minutes, and it's probably two points that got away from us. So um, and the Basel game we probably should have, should have won as well. So um, look, we're just really really strong at home, and I think you know I've, the manager talked about it at the weekend. We just feel really comfortable at, at Seaview. It's probably just the perfect dimensions for us. Um, and you have to give our supporters immense credit as well. You know. Um, they've backed us to the help this year. Um, they always get fully behind the team and I think they can sense that, you know, Seaviews became a bit of a fortress as well and they're adding to that atmosphere. And, you know, once you get a bit of a reputation for being really strong at home, it probably plays into the mind of the opposition as well. When they know they come to Seaview, they know exactly what they're going to get and it's difficult to stop.
2: And this is what makes Monday all the more interesting because... Cliftonville are coming to you. they have made Solitude a fortress teams just don't win there within 90 minutes they've been beaten on penalties but that great run that invincible feeling came to a halt against Dungan and Swifts 2-1 and I was at that game Dungan and Swifts were worthy winners so you've got Cliftonville who um, are the example of how quickly those runs can end but also a wounded beast coming to play their better rivals and throw into the mix they still fancy their chances of winning the title so it's a perfect cauldron for headline writers just to go feed up lads whatever happens there's a story
4: (laughs) yeah I'd agree I'd agree wholeheartedly with all of that the the scripts are there to be written I suppose um for from our own perspective You know, we just look one game at a time. Looking at the table, I think Cliftonville are currently five points ahead of us, so it's a massive opportunity for us to bridge that gap. Um, If we could take three points and narrow it to two, we've got two very winnable games with the greatest respect, uh, Portadown and and Carrick, before the split. So we just look one game at a time. The the games against Cliftonville are always, you know, ding-dong battles. I think the games we've played this year, we drew up there with a very patched-up team at Solitude and a good result, and then we turned them over on Boxing Day quite convincingly. So they'll be a wounded animal, of course, coming off the back of um, you know a, a surprise defeat ultimately against Ungannon, and uh, you know they'd have high hopes of, of of having a good run in the cup this year. Um, but that wasn't to be, and and I'm sure Paddy will have his trips fired up to come for a massive game on Monday night live on Sky.
2: You'd just be hoping it's not the Sky cameras that are the jinx at Sea View.
4: Exactly. I'm just thinking they were there whenever uh <laughs> defeated us. But uh um no, I think we um sorry if anyone's we...
2: superstitious by the way, I've just ruined their whole weekend <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah, we um it's, it's something I actually
4: talked about this year. I don't think we've done too well in the televised games. I think it's more so Friday nights than uh, than Saturdays, but um certainly when it comes to North Belfast derbies, all that sort of stuff goes out the window and uh and ultimately we'll probably just boil down to whoever Wants it more, and on the night, and certainly, we'll be hopefully banking on our home form this year, and and taking that into Monday, and uh, putting in a good performance, and ultimately trying to get three points.
2: We're much more used to, I guess, the changes that are happening now. We're seeing the odd Sunday game. Cup finals are, you know, League Cup and Irish Cup finals, both Sundays uh, this season. Friday matches have become more of a thing. Uh, Monday games, um, does it allow you to rest or enjoy your weekend at all? Or is it any different than playing on a Friday night, playing on a Monday night? Uh, Monday
4: night are probably the least preference that personally I have for games because you kind of lose your weekend because you're obviously preparing for the game on Monday. So we'll obviously train Saturday and then. You can't really enjoy your weekend because you know you've got to look after your body and, and take it easy in preparation for Monday night. So, whereas on a Friday, obviously you get your whole weekend, or on a Saturday, you can still get your Saturday evening and Sunday. So, um, look, it's it's not ideal, I don't think, but obviously you can see why they picked this game for for televised coverage. It's a huge game between two good sides. So, um, hopefully, we can put on a good a good spectacle for everyone, and uh, everyone can enjoy the game
2: it'll certainly be a match that everyone wants to tune in for Um, whether it's enjoyable even for uh, the supporters i don't know because there's so much riding on it in in different ways but um, class match look forward to seeing how it falls and it's been great talking to you philip thank you very much for coming on to the score no problem michael anytime
1: the score with michael clark
2: so our final guest on the show this week is from Carrick Rangers. They are playing Dungannon and Swifts on Saturday. Well, fingers crossed the way the weather's been, but uh, I think we're okay for the match to happen. And I'm very pleased to say he's sitting beside me now. It's Ben Tilney. Ben, first time on the programme. Pleasure having you on.
0: Thank you very much for having me. No, no, really, really happy to be here.
2: So I'm guessing things are going well from your point of view. You've put pen to paper on a new contract.
0: Yes, no, Um Came, uh, I've been really, really enjoying my football ever since uh, I joined the club. And um, you know, when uh, the manager and the chairman spoke to me about you know extending my contract and staying for a little bit longer, um, it was a really, really easy decision. Um, absolutely, I've loved my time here, and you know, most importantly, I'm enjoying myself. Um, and I think that's so important. And hopefully, it's been shown in the way I've been playing this year. And um, I've loved the way. Uh, the feel of the, the clubs going at the moment and uh, really enjoying training sessions and matches, the togetherness of our group and you know it was a, it was a no brainer in the end to, to sign a new contract.
2: So far so good. From Carrick Rangers fans' perspectives as as well. Looking at the league table, a realistic chance of seventh. Now you've got Glenavon and Ballymena United as well in that mix, but to be at this stage in the season and to still be in that equation must be something that you're all very pleased with.
0: Yes, definitely. We, we've worked so hard and um, we've got some very, very good results along the way. But, you know, I think even even with that, I think there's been times where um, we felt like we can do even better at times. And, you know, looking sitting where we are now, I think um, looking back on some past games and results that we've had, you know, we still think we could have picked our points here and there, and uh, which is, you know, a massive positive for us, um, you know, sitting where we are. Um, like I said before, that it, it shows the togetherness of the group we've got and um, the standards that we've set for ourselves now. Um, so it's uh, we've put ourselves here in a brilliant position so far.
2: It feels like the aspirations of the club have increased. They had a period of time as, I guess, a bit of a yo-yo team, being one of the best teams in the league below. And then when you come up, like any team that comes up, finding it hard to actually establish yourself... It's gone beyond that now, hasn't it? Where it's not just about survival, it's about pushing on.
0: I think so, yeah. And I think, you know, as players and uh, and the coaching staff and the manager, I think, you know, we've all now set incredibly high standards. Um, and I think, you know, We have to go and meet that every single match day Um, and like I said before, it's it's a real positive because um, everybody now is fighting for a place in the team and we're all driving each other on and there's a real togetherness within the group and we all want to achieve those high, high standards, um, which I think the club deserves as well.
2: What do you think has allowed you to do that? Is it simply just the right tactics, the right players or what goes into what we're seeing on the pitch?
0: Um, for me, um, you know, our best performances and, and the things we've done well. Yes, you know, there's uh, obviously a lot of work uh, goes on in tactics and and different things to, to help you get a result. Um, but you know, for me, our best performances have been when we have stuck together as a group, um, and I think that's shown with you know some of the results we've gotten, especially at home, uh, the likes against uh, Crusaders and. Uh, Limfield and you know uh, Clifton Moor. It was a draw, but um, we've done fantastically well to get back into the game, and I think that's been the biggest uh, the biggest thing for us this year. Um, so hopefully that can continue.
2: How much of that is psychological? It's always an interesting one because people, when you look at it, will always say it's hard for teams, increasingly more difficult as well for teams in the bottom half to take points off the teams in the top half. But particularly at home, you have manage that some great results that you've just outlined is that a mental block that, or getting past a mental block that allows that or or how do you feel it's best achieved
0: maybe for, for myself you know um, I, I think it's it's a lot down to our self belief um, I think that you know like, like I said before we, we will especially at home compete against all teams um, and I think teams know that it's a, it's a difficult place to come and I think you know we've it's probably taken us a couple of results to to bring out that self-belief in ourselves. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate that that's happened. Um, But I think we've got to carry that on and, you know, maybe improve our away form as well at the same time. And, you know, once that happens, I think that you see the best out of everyone in the team and the group. Um, But, you know, certainly I think the manager and the coaching staff has has definitely helped us bring out that self-belief as well.
2: And there would appear to be a lot of trust in you in terms of allowing you to attack, allowing you to get forward, Knowing how you like to play, I would imagine it can be frustrating at times because it'll happen to any footballer in their career, especially players in wide positions. Some managers will say, like, track back a little bit more and you have to do it. But even just looking at your face, I know you prefer going the other way. Yes,
0: definitely. Um, No, I prefer going that way. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think, you know, the way we set up and and the way we play... um, it allows um it allows me and you know whoever the is playing on the, the right hand side to go and be positive going forward and you know a big thing to do with that is as well. I think that you know some of our senior players really help with that um I find that w- when I'm allowing to go myself to go forward, you know there's, there's a senior player behind me be that either at times Mark Surgeon or Stevie Gordon or Reese Glendien. And I think that's times where, you know, they're able to go, no, go and they've taken a little bit of responsibility upon themselves defensively. Um, so for a player in my position, the things I like to do, that's ideal. Um, and I think that's a real, probably to add on to our, uh, you know, togetherness as a team, I think that kind of like taking responsibility in your own game. Um, I know myself that, look, not every game is going to be like that. So there's going to have to be times where, look today it's going to have to be more of a defensive role and you know you, you've got to maybe worry about what's going on coming backwards rather than attacking and i understand that and you know i think that that's where again we are realistic as well at times and i think that uh, that has again helped with the togetherness of our group
2: the last two results in the league very contrasting the Portadown result i'm sure is a high the glentoran result a low how do you put into words? Is that just how football goes? You know, the the last few days, have you processed it? Um,
0: I think so. It's um, frustrating um, because, you know, like like you just said, um, fantastic result against Down, away from home. Very, very tough place to go. And the run of form they had been in recently, um, we knew it was going to be tough. um, So we were, you know, very happy to to get that result. um, And coming here, I I think we, uh, on, on the Tuesday night, again, you know, we we'd taken points off of top six teams at home and we fully believed that going into that game that we could we could do something. Um, I think it was unfortunate, um, the timing of the goals and the way they happened. I think conceding so early on against uh, a team like Glen Torren, um, you know, starting off on the back foot. And I think that the most frustrating thing, you know, we, we'd been in training this week and spoke, spoken about the goals. They Some of the goals were preventable and um, I think that's probably frustration from our part um, and, you know, look, when, when, when you're trying to get back into a game, sometimes, of course, that, that leaves you exposed. And I think the scoreline sort of reflected that. Um, but we'll always keep trying and pushing to, to get back into the game. And look, sometimes it's like you say, it's football and things don't go your way. But um, we've got a massive, massive game here coming up on Saturday against Dungan and away. Um, so we uh, will be fully prepared and ready to right any wrongs that happened on Tuesday.
2: Dungannon fighting for their own survival, coming off the back of an incredible result in the Irish Cup at Cliftonville, something we just spoke about with our last guest. People don't really win at solitude, and yet Dungannon found a way. Their big problem this season, by their own manager's admission, has been consistency, so it'll be interesting to see, do they follow that up? And if they do, do you have an answer for it? Yeah, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, Dungannon and I, especially away from home, we've... We struggled there sometimes going away from home and um, I think that's you know massive uh, respect and credit to them because they play some absolutely fantastic football um, and if we don't go on our game and be well organized uh, well organized we will find it tough and um, so you know we can't take any game lightly like we said before anyone can beat anyone in this league um, and it's going to be a very very tough game we've obviously um, now put ourselves in a good position and we want to Keep ourselves there, and like you say, Dungan and um, uh, are fighting for things as well at the moment. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting and, and good match, I would, I would I would think.
2: And just finally, because we're approaching the split, it's the time of the season where every game kind of gets blown up in terms of its importance because it is and it, everything's so close especially this season it feels like every win is an incredible triumph and every defeat is, is the worst thing ever how do you keep an uneven keel as a player I've always wondered that how do you keep yourself grounded it was in interviews everyone says next game, next game but I'm sure behind the you know when you go home it's not always easy just to switch off and, and think really next game
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, the uh, the next game thing, do you know what? Until it gets to, this is me being really honest, until it gets to sort of, you know, this point of the season, it'd be the first time I'd really actually take a, a real, real interest. And, you know, people start coming to you and working out maths with you and who can finish where and here. And, you know, but really, honestly, you know, I know people say it, but um, even for myself, it is it is next game. And the way I look at things, you know, next game, but the way I look at it is, look... If you win every single game, you win the league. So for me, it's that simple. I know there's going to be little bumps along the way, um, but you have to go into every single game expecting to win and, um, you know, righting your wrongs very quickly when you don't and looking for ways to improve. And I think if you do that, you're going to always put yourself in a good positive position.
2: Really interesting insight. Ben, appreciate your time. Thank you very much for coming on to The Score. Thank you very much.
1: The Score with Michael Clarke.
2: Just like that we have reached the end of another programme. Thank you to my guests for joining me this week, to you for listening, and a big congratulations to our Bet McLean Cup final competition winners, each receiving a pair of tickets to go and enjoy the big final on Sunday at Windsor Park. I look forward to seeing all the pictures from that and uh, well done to Johnny and to Neil, who were our winners. But that's us for now. So I don't know if you've had time to go and build a snowman or whether that's on the agenda for the weekend. But fingers crossed we can all enjoy our weekend of sport. Until next week. Bye bye.